You've been listening to the weekly sermon from the Vine Church in Madison, Wisconsin, a spirit-filled family that makes disciples and plants churches among neighbors and nations through declaration and demonstration. For more information and service times, check out our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Well, if you have a Bible, let's go ahead and grab it. And we are going to be in John chapter 15 this morning. So this morning we are in a really unique thing that we're trying. Uh, For those of you who are not familiar, we're part of a small church planting network that hopefully will grow uh, called Madison Multiply Network. And what that is right now is the two churches that we have planted, Redeemer City Church and Eastside Church, committing to be together to seek to work together to plant more churches. And so we're really excited about that. And we're trying to draw attention to that in these next six weeks as we do a Madison Multiply sermon series together. So I'm going to start at the Vine, uh, a series on prayer. And then next week, I'll preach the same message at Redeemer City. And then a few weeks after that, I'll preach the same message at Eastside Church. And so we have six different preachers between three churches. And so that gives us six weeks of a unique message with every preacher in the Madison Multiply Network uh, giving one sermon. So this will take us up to September 13th. I think that's right. Uh, September 13th is the, the Sunday, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and then we'll kick off our vision series then. But we're going to be focusing on prayer for the next six weeks. And what a time in the life of our country, in the life of the world, to really need to focus on prayer. Um, it's so foundational. Um, and I and I fear it's overlooked in our journey of discipleship. So today, we're going to be talking about praying Bible. Praying the Bible, okay? That's what I want us to think about and learn this Sunday. And if you have a Bible, um, open it up to John chapter 15. Now, my kids, they know how to ask me things to get what they want, right? Like, hey, dad, maybe you should take mom on a date tonight. Well, that sounds like they really want to invest in our marriage and are really thoughtful about us. But what it really means is they want screen time. Um, so that's cool. That's a tactic, but how much better if it's not quite as manipulative, Emery, uh, but rather their desires actually are my desires. So when they ask me for something, I'm more than willing to grant whatever they ask. So let's just give me some real simple examples. Like, hey, dad, can we read from the Bible tonight? Absolutely. Yes. I love to say yes to that one because that's my desire. Hey, dad, can we give some money to people in need in among neighbors and nations? Yeah, absolutely. Because that's my desire. I love to say yes to that one. Dad, can we invite some friends over from the neighborhood and show hospitality? Absolutely. I love to say yes to that one because that's my heart. Dad, can we go watch the Bucks play uh, in Milwaukee? 
Absolutely we can. What? I love to say yes to that. So when they really, here's the deal, catch this. When they really know me, they know what I love, right? They know what I value. They know what I cherish. So as a result, they know the things that I love to already say yes to. And this knowledge of what I love doesn't just happen by accident. What does it imply? It implies that we have spent time together to get to know one another, right? As a family, we spend hours and hours together, right? Long road trips, gonna do one of those today after church, uh, heading up north to Wisconsin for a couple nights. We got hundreds of meals together, hours of family devotions together, lots of time playing in the backyard, doing chores together, on and on. We spend a lot of time together as a family. So if you were to ask my kids, what does your dad love? based on their knowledge of me through spending time with me, what do you think they would say? They would say, dad loves to take mom on dates. Dad loves to read his Bible. Dad loves to pray with us. Dad loves to watch basketball. Dad loves to speak French. He loves to have family devotions. He loves to exercise. He loves to read to us. He loves to see us learn. He loves to tell us stories. He loves to play the piano. He loves to spend time in his shop. They know these things about me because of hours and hours of observational data through spending time with me. Now, to turn the corner to what the Bible teaches this morning, what's the biblical word for this? The biblical word for this is abiding. They have abided in me or abided with me, right? So all of this that I start with this morning is simply a metaphor for how God wants us to relate to him. Here's the point. Check this out. Knowing God's heart leads us to asking him for the right things, which he loves to say yes to. Let me say that again. Knowing God's heart leads us to asking him for the right things, which he loves to say yes to. So I want to give you a goal that I think will help every one of us watching right now or in this room right now grow to love God more. I want you to know how to ask him for the right things because we know him through spending time with him. You feel that? Let me say it more simply. I want you to learn and practice praying the Bible. I want you to learn and practice praying the Bible, okay? So how many of us want to see our prayers answered in a more dramatic way, in a more supernatural way? Yeah, we all, we all want that. I want that. I long to know and experience God listening and answering, that he's not aloof to us or disinterested. See, God has promised that he's not any of these things. He's not aloof. He's not disinterested. And our text this morning promises to show us how we can have this assurance. Look at John 15. And I want to start in chapter, I'm sorry, John 15, starting in verse one. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruits. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. 
Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So we're going to just focus on verse 7 today, okay? One single verse. But we know we're never supposed to read a single verse in uh, without its context, right? We always have to know the context of a single Bible verse. So this morning we're going to focus on verse 7, but what's the surrounding context? Just look at the repeated words of the, of the text I just read. What are the repeated words? Just glance through the text. Ten times we have the word abide. And six times we have the word fruit. So it would be probably safe to say that one of the main points of this section of scripture is that Jesus wants his followers to remain vitally connected to him, abiding, and when that happens, God glorifying good deeds, fruit, are going to overflow from our lives. Said more simply, when we're connected to Jesus, we will glorify him with our lives lived. So that's kind of the main point of this section of scripture. Be vitally connected to Jesus and watch how he transforms your life into one that is lovingly beautiful. So with all that in mind, what does this have to do with praying Bible? What does this have to do with praying Bible? Well, look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So part of what it means to bear fruit is to have a life that produces beautiful things for God's glory. And so we have to pray a certain way and see those prayers answered. Christians that abide in Jesus are, are living lives of good deeds. They are praying people. So it's, it's no surprise to anyone who's been around the church or Bible for any amount of time, right? But what Jesus is teaching us here is a certain type of praying that's truly powerful and effectual. You see it in the text? It will be done for you. It's just a promise. See it? But look at the order. The order is very important here. Look at the words of the text in verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. Look at the order. Abiding precedes asking. See that? Abiding precedes asking. So this is just a very obvious statement. 
there's a really obvious connection between what we ask for and what we want, right? It, it's so obvious it doesn't need to be stated. Like you go out to eat, you don't have any silverware. I want silverware, so I'm going to ask for silverware, right? Desire precedes asking. Um, if I don't want to shovel a foot of snow in the driveway, I'm going to ask my kids to help me, right? Or ask. There's other words we could think of there that would be as effectual. Um, we want to have a job so we can pay our bills. So we ask someone to hire us. All these things are exceedingly obvious, right? We want something, so we ask for it. But that is not what Jesus is getting at here when it comes to prayer. It's not just wanting that precedes asking. It's abiding that precedes asking. You see that? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. See the distinction there? It's not just recognize your desires and then ask for it and I'll give it to you. That's not what it says. It doesn't say whatever comes to your mind, just ask me for it, just kind of like a genie in a bottle and then you'll have it. That's not what it says, right? It's very important we recognize this. He wants to go deeper into the level of our motives. He seems to be saying that power in prayer is not so much a simple matter of wanting and asking. Catch this now. It's having God so shape our wants, having God so shape our desires, that here's the, here's the, here's the key, that everything we want is what God wants. There's no distinction between his wants and my wants. Because what? Because I'm abiding in him. Because he's in me and I am in him. So remember the illustration about my kids? They know how to ask me for things that I'm delighted to give and don't hesitate to give because they know me deeply from spending time with me. They have what? Abided in me. See, if our praying is just a, I want, thus I ask, what happens when our wants are not God's wants? What happens when the things we desire are not the things that God desires? Is that going to lead... Is that going to lead to answered prayer? That's not power in praying. The verse tells us if God shapes our desires and our wants through abiding in him, through spending time with him, through knowing him, then that's how our prayer, praying is going to be really powerful and effectual and answered. Jesus is just simply telling us in verse 7 here to pray Bible. My words remain in you. His words are in the Bible. Jesus is telling us to pray Bible. If you abide in me, look at verse seven. If you abide in me. See the conditional structure here? See the if-then relationship? It's not just unconditional. Ask whatever you want and you'll get it. That's not what it says. There's, that's unconditional. This is a conditional structure. The condition has to be met for the result to be received. If, if you abide, right? So if you are consumed with Jesus, if you know Jesus, if you spend time with Jesus, if you know his heart, if you know his loves, if you know his will, if you know his passion, if you know his suffering, if you know his teaching, if you know his tears, if you dig down deep in your relationship with Jesus, then what? 
Ask away. Ask away. Ask for, what does it say? What does the, what does the text say? Whatever you wish, your wishes will be his wishes. But remember the conditional structure. Asking for whatever you wish is preceded by abiding in Jesus. Those are never divorced. Those are never separated. Because when abiding happens, that changes your wishes so that your wishes become his wishes and then he loves to say yes. So how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we get to know Jesus? How do we abide in Jesus? How do we know what he's all about? Well, the illustration that I use with my kids, that breaks down. Why? Because I'm still physically present with them, right? I'm physically present with them every day. So how do we abide in Jesus when he's not physically present with us? Well, think about this. Let's say that there's someone who is not physically present with you, but you really wanted to get to know what that person was all about. What would you do? Like, let's say I wanted to get a master's degree in history and I had to write a, a thesis on Thomas Jefferson. What would you do? Well, if you had to become an expert on what he was all about, what would you do? If you really wanted to know what Thomas Jefferson was all about, what would you do? Well, you would read his words, right? You would have to read what he wrote and everything that was written about him by the people that knew him. Makes sense, right? So you see the connection between praying, abiding now, and Bible reading? If you want to ask whatever you wish and know it will be granted, we have to ask in accordance with the desires of Jesus. And how do we know those desires such that they become our desires? Just like the Thomas Jefferson illustration, we soak in the things that he said. We soak in the Bible. That's where we find the record of Jesus's words. We soak in the Bible day after day after day after day after day. And then you start to see over time, it doesn't happen immediately, but over time, by the power of this Holy Spirit working in you through the word, you begin to shift away from sinful desires into desires that are beautifully selfless because that's who Jesus is. Verse seven, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And it will be done for you. So the promise is when we remain fixed with Jesus, fixated on Jesus, <clears throat> such that we have his heart, we can pray with confidence that what we ask will be done. It may not be in our timing, but Jesus promises that it will be done. It may not be done how we think it should be done, but it will be done. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, um, I've been praying lately, and, and Kim has joined me in this, that God would provide diversity, racial diversity in our relationships. And it seems like that's been happening. And I'm not surprised by that because God has clearly stated He's a God of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And he's a God of diversity. He created it. So if I ask him to experience more of his creativity through the diversity of created image bearers that he's made, you can see why he would want to grant that. He wants to give to me what he already experiences. 
the embrace and the love of diversity of, of the created order. And so we've been praying for more diversity in our family, in our relationships, and we have diversity in our city group now. We have diversity of people in our home, uh, an African-American man giving uh, autumn voice lessons. Um, we have new neighbors that are African-American. And this has all happened just in the matter of a few months. And so it just seems like, man, we ask in accordance with God's desires and he's pleased to grant that. I think that's really cool. I've seen that. I've seen that over and over again, right? So the best way to see your prayers answered in power and in effectiveness is to simply pray Bible. Have his words remain in you is what it says. So, Lord, would you help us make disciples according to Matthew 28? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Lord, would you help us make disciples? We want to make disciples. We can't do it on our own. I think that's a prayer that God loves to answer. Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. So Lord, would you help me to seek first your kingdom so that I can have what I need? Luke 11, four through seven, talks all about the fear of people and how it's gonna just trip us up. And we should fear God more than we fear people. Lord, would you help me do that? God loves to answer that prayer. So just read and then pray, pray what you read. Just read and then pray what you read. God promises to answer those prayers. So let's have a plan. Let's have a plan for seeing this come alive in our lives right now. It could be that you show up to the prayer meeting almost every Sunday night. Find the link on the important channel on Slack. Small group of people hoping that it grows into a bigger group of people on Zoom. Don't have to drive anywhere. Just show up. 8 p.m. Sunday nights. And we're going to pray together. Maybe it's in the morning when you get out of bed, you grab your Bible, and you spend, maybe it's just 10 minutes. I'm going to read and I'm going to pray what I read. The question is though, do we have a plan? There is no power in the Christian life apart from abiding in Christ through his words and then asking in prayer for him to make it manifest in real time, in real space, in our lives what we read there. <clears throat> so many of us say we want to feel the power of God. He's told us here how we can do that, right? <clears throat> to feel the power of God come alive in us. So is there a plan to implement that? What's the plan to soak in God's word and then remind yourself to ask according to his word? <clears throat> Maybe team up with some folks from your city group and read together. And pray on Slack in written form. Maybe with the spouse or a roommate or a family member. Maybe it's just a simple screenshot that you put on the uh, on your phone, on the lock screen of your phone. And every time you see that verse, you, you remind yourself to pray that verse. Let me close by reminding you of the good news. God doesn't love you any more or less based on your knowledge of his word. 
but he promises to fill you with power through the Holy Spirit as you seek to feed spiritually on him. So nothing to prove to God, nothing to earn from God. Jesus earned everything for you that you receive as a gift through the good news of the gospel. So you don't earn anything. You don't score points with Jesus through your prayer life. But you can experience the power of God working through his word and the Holy Spirit as you seek to engage with him in these ways. And I think this will make us over time, individually and as a church family, more and more beautiful, connected, loving one another, loving our neighbors as we demonstrate this in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and how you just simply told us how it is that we can engage with you in a very meaningful way, in a powerful way, effectual way. Lord, we pray that you would um, help us, Lord, to have a desire to meet with you in your word. Lord, we ask that you would answer that prayer. And um, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.